0: Welcome to The Better Build, a podcast that explores the world of software engineering leadership and the people who are shaping it. Let's get to the episode.
1: Hello, David. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely.
2: And just a little disclaimer for our audience, we know each other for a long time.
1: More than 30 years, buddy.
2: It's a miracle that we managed actually to go into computers. Yes. From our really <laughs> little towns where uh, there was nothing oh, at the God. time. It was pre-internet. We were almost starting to code together.
1: Yes. Yeah.
2: In our first uh, 3D software, we tried to do it together. It was very complicated at the time, with only a book.
1: Learning from books was something the new generation will never get, right?
2: A lot of try and error, really slow. Ah, it
1: forced yeah, us to definitely understand the computer. Like you had no other options, right? Today, exactly. if, I, if I create something in React.js, right? I can barely understand or not at all actually the CPU. No one really care, right? At that time, when you were developing on the 68,000, it was the only way to get it.
2: Yeah, I still remember everything. I mean, like for me, actually in the computer science, understanding the computer and everything was super super important. We had a really good time. Fun memories about everything.
1: It's in my top three moment of my life.
2: For yeah, sure. yeah, I think so. Yeah, me too. And so since, since now, you moved to Seattle like yep. uh, maybe 10 years ago. Yep. And uh, maybe you can tell us about actually what you do now and then uh, we'll sure. get over back in time.
1: <laughs> so I am a, a Group Engineering Manager at Microsoft. I am on the front-end side of two main products. I own Microsoft Stream, which is the U- YouTube for enterprise in a very short way. And I own the front-end of that part. And also own and created, actually, BabylonJS. It's yeah, yeah. a 3D engine for the web. It's probably the fourth embodiment of my passion for 3D. Um, And this one is supported by Microsoft. It's an open source project, right? And I have a team of 12 engineers now working on it. It's widely used at Microsoft. I I feel like the latest count was 45 uh, first-party projects, including rendering PPT, uh, rendering uh, Teams uh, reactions, Bing Map. Um, They're all using uh, Babylon for that.
2: No, that's pretty amazing. You manage to do projects that grow big all the time, every time.
1: You yeah, I I'm lucky a bit for sure, and I'm passionate. Yeah, you're
2: lucky, but are you also you're
1: perseverant, That's for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. I,
2: I, I'm. My wife said that I am a pit bull. Yeah, you have the bone, and you you don't let it go.
1: It's exactly right. Go to the bone.
2: Yeah, you you started in three like a long time ago when we started actually working to uh, coding together as a kid, mm-hmm. and then you you kept actually working on three D. I went to the video game industry. You went to Microsoft, uh, you had yep. your own dev shop at the time in France. Yes. And But you kept working on 3D software on the side.
1: I was always there. I remember the first embodiment of my engine was a, an engine named Z Z 3 d Yeah. I used it for a demo party that you were organizing in Montmartre in France, the place to be. And I came there with a 3D engine written in Pascal. <laughs> From my <Engine's> Christ. Christ. <laughs> That's crazy. And then I, yeah. Heard, yeah.
2: Yeah, but that's amazing. I know I know Babylon GS now has been pretty successful. that's amazing that you manage actually to keep a control of it even at Microsoft. And that Microsoft you know wanted to use it as well. So it's uh, a 3D engine for the web is pretty rare. There is a couple of them, but Babylon GS is a really successful project. Right?
1: Yeah, it works well. We are partnering with Adobe. I can take like a Nike today. If you buy your shoes, a shoes at Nike store, they are using Babylon GS. We just wow. signed Dior. Uh, the, the new experience will be using Easy. the Vision GS. Um, it's a uh, Ferrari. When you buy the Ferrari car, amazing.
2: And how many? Uh, it, it's, it's been going on for a long time. I mean, this project, right?
1: Yeah, it's going to be ten years. Funnily, wow. uh, in June I was at Microsoft and I went in to do 3D. But I was a uh, Internet Explorer evangelist, like going to a web conference and trying to convince web developer to use Internet Explorer. I didn't know you were doing this. I, I knew you were actually an evangelist at Microsoft,
2: but I didn't know if that was part of your job.
1: Yeah, that was part of my job to do IE. Yes. And when we shipped IE 11, we were um, shipping it with uh, WebGL. So I used that as a way to port my engine that I was already doing on my side project to uh, WebGL. And that was the beginning. Like, And then it was a spark that ignited, and I was able to serve that way. Yeah, it
2: was great. And now Microsoft has embraced the wave, so you were at the right time. Yeah, luck was a part
1: of it. Now with the AI wave, I feel like Microsoft is probably oh, yeah, yeah. at the right moment with the right tool, so we'll
2: see. 100%. Yeah, we're going to talk about that later, but uh, yeah, absolutely. I manage a small number of open source projects and everything, but you have people remote, actually, a lot of contributors all over the world. How do you manage this? What's the challenge and everything?
1: I personally was the main contributor for probably four years, right? Okay, wow. I I built the community uh, person by person, literally figuring out people like, hey, did you see what I did? Uh, I was going to Twitter already just to mention to people, hey, I see you want to do 3D. Did you see what I I built? And after four years, I have no good reason why, but it started to uh, exponentially attract more people. I feel like you have to reach a specific tipping point that I don't know what the value is, right? But somehow at that moment, people were looking at it, the number of stars on GitHub started to explode and people were catching up. Uh, My main challenge at Microsoft was to make sure that Microsoft was not swallowing Babylon.js, right? And so the part of the deal is like Babylon.js is my product and Microsoft is funding a a support team, right? But Babylon.js is not under Microsoft uh, GitHub umbrella, right? It's an independent project. And the deal was okay. I can invest all my energy in that. You can get everything out of that. Microsoft got fifty percent of the vote when we look at what will be on the roadmap, and the community get the fifty other percent. So we have yeah. this balance. I was very clear, saying, "Hey, we are all the core team. We are all working for Microsoft. So Microsoft pay the bills, right? You have to understand that. But here is the catch: you guys will get all this free support." code source quality and everything we keep that super high because microsoft gives us money to live right so we can yeah, yeah. dedicate our entire time on that on the on the opposition side you guys give us what you believe uh, will be useful for the community here we use babylon js internally and that's why we can pay people as of today we have 100 million users per month are running a piece of software that uses Babylon.js. It could be PPT, Bing Maps, OneDrive, whatever. It's massive. Uh, I didn't know it was so big. It's huge. The impact is big for a team of 12, right? So the the deal for Microsoft is very good, right? Okay, yeah. yeah, You can keep working on that. And that's why when the community asks us something that Microsoft Project does not care about, I don't know, we're going to announce this Thursday, the Babylon 6.0. There is a massive new stuff. We're going to offer for free Hey, engine. OK. The AAA physics engine of Microsoft that is used in uh, Halo and like more than 600 uh, AAA games will come for free with Babylon GS. Jesus. Yes. Okay. The license model will be the same as Babylon, which is Apache 2. Right. So it's going to be a massive moment, and the community will get that for free. Right. So it's a gift we are, the, we are doing to the community of the Babylon users, right? Um, and that comes because Microsoft find a very interesting deal in the situation.
2: I think a lot of people don't understand how this deal works, especially Microsoft, especially at the re- beginning. I remember when before the new CEO satire, Microsoft was, was considered to be on the opposite side of open source, right? Yeah.
1: Oh, yes, so... that, was, that was true.
2: That was true, exactly. And now they finally embrace this and actually allow Microsoft to grow
1: massively
2: oh, yes. by embracing open source instead of being like against it.
1: I mean, Microsoft is an organic, uh, interesting ecosystem, right? We evolved uh, and the new Microsoft and the new, new one is oh, yes, definitely yes. embracing open
2: source. Yeah, 100%. Microsoft has totally changed, totally changed under Satire, the strategy and everything. And even me, I was a Mac person, everything since 2003. I built a new PC last year. Which, what was the first PC I built over 20 years? And oh then my I started goodness. to reuse Microsoft products and everything. I was using some of the products that I really liked since I was mostly working with startups guys. Startup people are really open source and everything. But when you see sometimes the Microsoft offerings, you're like, man, the software is great. Even for the cloud and all the dev tools oh, yeah. and everything, that's still, that's still great. And I think OpenAI also is going to change this because of the partnership with the Microsoft oh, yes. is huge. So I'm pretty sure it's going to change. Again, the perception that Microsoft has, that's for sure. For a company which is so big as
0: Microsoft, to be able to change its culture, I find it just fascinating. The Better Build is brought to you by Mission. Mission is an award-winning network of senior-level software engineers and product builders, backed by a platform that helps engineers continue to learn, grow, and connect. To get your team of fully managed, fully remote, and fully flexible software engineers, or to join our community, visit us at mission.dev. How okay, many people do you. you have at Microsoft now? right, right now? We are more than 200,000.
1: If you want to have a new culture, you have to have someone who embody the new culture. Honestly, I feel it from the inside. Microsoft is far more human right now. Yeah. Like Literally, we have um, metrics about work-life balance. They get people who look at, okay, how are you organized? Okay. What is going like, wrong? Do you need help? Do you need some time for your health, uh, mental health support? You know what's interesting? I've been in North America, even if I'm
2: Canada and you're in the U.S., the culture of work is totally different from France, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. In France, actually, we don't do that kind of things. So if no. you're not good, you're not good. Because we can't fire people, you're going to be stuck into the company, yep. being like put on the side, yeah. and just stay there. Yep. And we're not going to talk to you anymore. Contrary, in North America, there's a lot more empathy into the way we manage. Mm. and to help people improve. And in the end, it's a way better result.
1: It delivers, right? It's human. People are human. They may have personal issues that you are not aware of, right? And sometimes, yeah, you have toxic people. That still exists, right? But then when we have toxic people, it's also handled by HR in a very interesting way, right? They make sure they are toxic. And when they are toxic, they get rid of them, right? That's also a way of we have a, this rule, don't be a dick. Uh, and that's very much, it's not, it's an unwritten rule. Don't be a dick and it should be fine. Super interesting because usually large scale companies have seen us
2: being like inhumane and everything. And oh, to yeah. be maybe and contrast to the startup world with which is supposed to be more empathetic and a new kind of management and everything. But I have the feeling that for the last, i would say 10 years, actually, everything i've kind of even out because the startup world is really aggressive as well. We have a lot of stories about. People yeah. being jerks of startups and everything, and now the, this big company have learned how to take less what the startup is and allowed also to make that these crazy bets, crazy projects, and the, it pays off. So it, it's like you still have the big infrastructure of the big company, but we've been nimble as a startup. Sometimes yes. that's though, I see yes. it. I agree, you know?
1: I agree with that. I can see that. And recently, with the AI front, Satya um, asked the company to be a little bit more on the startup front because we have so many. People think about the Titanic, like this kind yeah, of exactly. stuff. You cannot really maneuver very fast. But he, he pushed her on A. Now we are on the top of the wave. We have all the tech in place. So don't take too much time to pivot if you have to. The result is like you may have seen the news. We have Word, Excel, PowerPoint, yeah, Stream, all uh, teams, all coming with new AI integrated feature that yeah, did not even good. exist six months ago. For Microsoft, it's a snap of a finger, right? Yeah, exactly.
2: high- I know. I know. I, I, even for, from the outside, I have to admit, I was talking to, uh, to to my business partner the other day, and I was impressed. I, I saw the engineering blog of Teams and the way they redesigned to Team two dot zero with the integration yes, of AI, exactly. and even the feature were really impressive. The way you can see how the meeting is conducted, who's talking in the meeting or not, the the
1: action item. Ah, on me, the that slide. I'm right like the team. Re- the, the team really. Team re- yeah, it's my technology BI, oh, wow, that's not amazing. the AI, but all the UI and uh, the web part, it's my team.
2: Yeah, one. I saw this and I was like, what the hell? I mean, like, what's yeah, happening? Yeah. And, and literally,
1: and- in December, the 15th of December last year, someone, I was on the phone with someone from China, I said, okay, we have this team meeting, meeting recap project, can can you start now? I was like, what? <laughs> What happened? And then we made it, right? So it's cool.
2: It's impressive. The new wave of Microsoft products and integration with AI has been like absolutely amazing. Since we're on the topic, I'm running some kind of an experiment with my engineering team about using GitHub Copilot and Copilot yes. X.
1: Copilot, I use that every day. My first feeling was, I remember when I was not using IntelliSense in my project. Now today you remove ent- uh, co- auto completion yeah, for you can call I, I don't know what to do, right? I feel dumb when I don't have it anymore. That's crazy. Yeah. For copilot, yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah, I was thinking about it this morning and I could see the difference because for, for, for the people in the audience, IntelliSense is the autocomplete that you have in Visual Studio, right? And uh, which is pretty much standard into all, all ID in the environment. Problem. But it's pretty much a templating system. You start typing and it proposes the function that you can call. Yeah. But copilot is going a step further okay. you know proposing actually predicting a code that you could potentially write after you start typing a couple of words it predict the rest so it's yes with, with the
0: context that's crazy with the right
2: context way. exactly the context makes the whole difference so
1: for the development tool what, what are you thinking about actually where you're gonna go next you know what i feel like you were a assembly developer so you know that right yeah yeah
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know the the, the Complication, the complexity of developing WebAssembly. assembly, and then we move to C, right? Yeah. And people predicted at that time. I remember the discussion. I guess yeah, yeah. you were in that. I don't uh, know. We were, well,
2: it was too slow yeah,
1: to It's too slow. It won't work, right? And now the system has to do far more than before, right? And then we move to C plus plus, and then we move to I move to JavaScript, and now I move to TypeScript. I mean, if the system is able to say, "Hey, I want a function that will do a uh, odd or even comparison." I I, wouldn't, I I don't even want to remember that, right? The yeah. system can dump that for me. And then step back. Okay, I want a button in React that will have a material design stuff. What is my value added as the developer here if I have to do that, which is common sense, right? No. I move far more and more. I step back far more and more, and I become far more and more an architect right? The, the mastermind, I, I feel like the architect in uh, Matrix, the like matrix. the guy who yeah. set up stuff, yeah. right? But that works this way, right? It's how oh, I feel it. I don't care to write the code anymore. Like yeah. As long as I know it's no. efficient and performant, if the AI wants to do it for me, please go.
2: I remember I learned this at school. It's called, it's a French name, as Agile. didn't yeah. worked very well. You could model actually a system with blocks and everything. It would generate the code. If you change the code, it wouldn't generate back the graphs and the diagrams. But I have other thing, we're gonna go back maybe potentially into an architect point of view where we design the core of the system and they take care of the implementation.
0: Yes,
1: because the implementation is always the same, right? How many times did you invented a real algorithm that no, no one you knew, right? Like maybe the guy who did the MP three, right? That's probably the last one.
2: But you can still invent algorithm, but it's gonna be a very specific niche of what you need to do. Yeah. But or
1: you, a, a aggregate of several sub. Yeah. PCs that you don't care about anymore because they are part of the common sense. Again, I remember how to do a move or whatever in assembly, but for, for the sake of me, I can't write anymore a loop in assembly and I don't yeah. care.
2: No, no, you're right. You're right. No, no, I, I have the feeling too that potentially it's going to go this way, Where, but we're going to still need architects because the, the system actually oh. is not at a place where it's going to understand how you want to connect the big pieces of your software the interaction between the big pieces works, but the implementation itself, writing the code, it's, uh, yeah, it's it's a monkey job most of the time. When you are thinking about your program, writing the code is almost the easy part. It takes a long time because you make mistakes and everything, but when you know what you want to do, writing the code is just a lot of work for something which is almost obvious at some point.
1: And we call that piece code in English, probably. Yeah, that's pretty
2: much what it is, yeah.
1: Yeah, it is what it is, right? And I see that I have a overall. I manage fifty engineers, and in my teams, what they like it's not really much the implementation details of having they want to write the function, type everything, set up the interface. You know the the architectural work, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And then they have to work. Okay, I need to have my button that's gonna update the CSS because yeah, that's super I, long. Wow. Yeah. No, no one like that. We are doing it because so far we have to do it.
2: No, no, you're right. I, I remember the there was a thing we say that there's only two things interesting into computers, computer programming, very high-level stuff and the very low-level stuff. That's super interesting. Everything yes. in the middle no. is, is a pain in the ass. It's a pain because it's like it's, it's connecting stuff. You have all the bugs and everything. This all the, the small logic is there. But the low-level, the architecture of the, the, the computer itself, the low-level systems, super interesting to set up. High level design, super interesting. You In the, middle, the is this not where you have the value. So yeah, I could I could see actually Yeah, I could start to
1: see at where the system can really help. And this is and where you have most of the mistakes and the bugs. Correct, right. And honestly, you are a developer like me. How many yeah. times do you go to Stack Overflow, copy past the code, make yeah, sure it's working, you do. and of done, right? Replace a, a Stack Overflow, call it AI, and you're done, right? It's the yeah,
2: same exactly. story. I, I was talking to one of my uh, engineers this morning about this because just having a copied out is going to avoid you to look through the documentation or even Stack Overflow because you still have to interpret what the code is going to do to your own context and everything. So it's a mix of Stack Overflow documentation, writing something yeah. in context that's going to work. Even if you have to tweak the code, it's a big help already, potentially, yeah.
1: yeah. It's a big help for stuff. Who in his correct mind on earth knows how to write a regular expression? Right? No yeah, yeah. No so one. It's right? always been the problem. That's, anyway. that's a very good example. Yeah, so, what I do when I need point. to write a regular expression, I go to regex101.com no, I yeah. and I tweak it. Oh, yeah, that's right. I have to use slash s because that drives me nuts. I lose yeah. 10 minutes every time. Now, what I do, hey, copy out, I'm going to write a function that's going to evaluate if this string is an email. Boom, done, 10 seconds. Well,
2: that's true. To complete is not going to write you the code. It's going to help you decide what function you should call. So, but yeah, the,
1: oh, to complete fun- as a uh, view of the graph of the code that you have, and then you can pe- peek into the, the libraries and check what the properties, right? It's very much algorithmic. The first time I heard about ChatGPT and stuff, for me, you know, there is this emergence process. You, you tried ChatGPT. When you start yeah, yeah. to talk with it, for me, there is some kind of magic. I ask it question that a human can reply and I was not prepared for a computer to reply to this kind of question where there is context, abstraction, like abstraction of abstraction, like that's crazy. I was not ready for that. So every time now I use something like AI, I'm playing with the new M365 AI stuff with uh, PowerPoint where literally I say, hey, PowerPoint on slide four. Remove the first image, introduce a copy of um, the image you can find. That's the text I'm typing, right? In my last mail. And also create an animation. That's what I'm doing. Again, I'm playing the architect. Okay, this is how I want to shape my slide. I
2: didn't use yet the integration with Word and PowerPoint. But if you tell me that it's as powerful as this, yeah, we're going to try
1: it. That's crazy. I don't know what you feel about that because I don't understand it no clue what is happening right
2: now. I think it's a black box for a lot of people. But even if you understand the way the algorithm works, because they, you can understand the papers and everything, but even even for the creator of OpenAI, I think, or for ChatGPT, I think it's also like a big surprise. But it works yeah. so well.
1: We we you published know. a paper very recently on, from Microsoft where saw so the spark of emergence of uh, what everyone wants to call AGI, right, the general uh, intelligence, um, and that's true because over one fifty pages they did some example like, hey, uh, Julie has a, a box where there is an object in it, right? And then Mark come and take that object and put that in a second box. And then they ask, Chagipiti, what will Julie will do when she wants to find that object? And literally the system understands the abstraction of the other people removing in and everything. That's just not an algorithm. You yeah, see what I mean? Yeah. I understand yeah. the, the way the neural networks and everything, but because of the richness of that, Something is emerging. Like the system knows, hey, actually, yeah. we go to the box A because she believes it's in here, right? Like, oh what?
2: No, no, I know, I know, I know. So that's that's really magic. The progress has been actually like absolutely fantastic. So it's uh
1: over what? A month, a year? I mean, like Yeah, exactly.
2: Ago? Over a year, we went from uh ChatGPT three to four. Yeah. I remember was Steve Job done on Siri into 2011, something like this. I remember actually I even like participated to a conference where even I I was believing in that Siri and that sort of things on the phone will be the future of assistants. It took actually 10 years, 13 years to arrive to a point where they could be real assistants.
1: We are limited by the number of tokens because it's extremely expensive. But when we're going to fix that issue, you can imagine on your phone having a version of ChatGPT who knows everything about you and you can chat with it like a real assistant, right? Yeah, exactly. That will work.
2: Yeah, that's exactly what I thought would happen very soon in 2011. But... uh, We had to wait. The years. tech was not but there, was, but now oh. we saw
1: the tech running, and it's here. The only problem is it's so expensive to run this monster yeah. uh, cloud-based AI step. Yeah, that's the next move.
2: But I've embraced actually Copilot and it's totally integrated in your flows with your engineers. Oh, yeah. Because you have and, like... my
1: engineers and across Microsoft, we use it
2: widely. Oh wow! Okay, yeah. ah, that was super interesting to see. that it's not just a tech demo, right?
1: It's It's a real productivity tool now. I I don't have a number for you, but I feel it personally in my bones. Like when I develop with and without, I feel like I'm dumb, I'm numb, I'm slow, right? In a
2: sense, it's the evolution of the programming language. Every programming language was some kind of a small abstraction on top of the previous one, a new generation of programming language. But we all had the feeling that we're all the same. Now they have the same, we're at the same level of abstraction. And so with every level of abstraction, it allows us to do more because we're more productive. And now that's a new level where you can finally describe the program and the behavior, and then the code will potentially get written.
1: And it will make that more accessible. So people will may not have to understand everything about memory allocation. People don't really right. care about this anymore. The garbage collector can take it at some point. Yeah, no right. one will really care, right?
2: Yeah. Especially with the web It's also the way application live now is more mostly web based and delivered. It's not like a native application. So just in the, in the realm of like, uh, uh, you know, software applications. So it's already really abstracted and really accessible yeah, for it a lot is. Of people. Yeah. It but is. it's still complicated to make a
1: software. For me, I mean, Rust was probably the last one I was considering uh, doing yeah. a bit of innovation. But, right, there is a plateau, it's, right? We, you it's can feel thing. it. Yeah, Across absolutely. the board there is a plateau. And so the next innovation on the language is not the language. It's actually the AI, I think. I was talking
2: with, with one of my engineers like a month ago about like the evolution of language, actually, where everything has converged to the same thing. And every language is pretty much equivalent. You have some innovation on some, but now it's yeah. a tiny stuff, like the big innovation of paradigms and, uh, and abstraction are all, all there. The frameworks have been written and we're kind of stuck there.
1: Even going in circle, because in the web world, at least, we have React and then we had uh, Angular before and Vue and what will be the new one. The same story with a different convoluted way to deal with it. There is not much of a innovation, right? React worked because probably Facebook, right? I don't know. Uh, it could have been Angular yeah. at some point, but th- they are the same. Yeah, but that's, uh, yeah, that's interesting to, to see. The people
2: at Microsoft actually already feel that we're going to go back to a time where the software architect will really become again the center of the attention and all the engineers are going to be elevated to a software architect role because of AI.
1: Yes. If you look at the past, we used to have different kinds of developers who we were working some on drivers, some on the intermediate yeah. network call or stuff. All of that disappeared, right? They were replaced yeah. by frameworks. The number of engineers is still growing, and I predict it will still grow. We will just be able to do bigger stuff.
2: Yeah, yeah I see what you mean. So for you, it's not a replacement; it's like it's more mostly like an enabling to do even more complex projects. But the need for software architect and the engineering mind will still be Always. needed as an input. Yeah, yes, I was talking about like that with my engineers. We still need actually to be able to pre- express our system is going to work, our behavior that you want into the software, all the pieces that you need. But is it's is the in-between. The like I mean, that?
1: will be replaced by AI. Yep. Hmm. And again, it's not new. It happens many times in the short history of uh, computer programming.
2: True. Every generation of programming language was uh, improved. Like as you said, at some point I remember 20 years ago where everything was pretty much in C++. There was no frameworks. You have to rewrite everything from scratch every time you wanted to do a new application. Then you had Java that came with a really rich frameworks of objects and everything. And suddenly, right. right. all your effort will be uh, focused on on writing the software and the application instead of reinventing the wheel all the time, you know?
1: And you heard people at that time where we were told, oh my gosh, the humbling about performance. I remember an engineer would say, okay, we don't have to code anything anymore.
2: We are playing Legos. You don't need coders anymore. Uh, Java is doing everything. And then you use assembling stuff. But it, it, it was not really true. We still needed a lot of engineers,
1: anyway. Of course, of course. just understanding the needs, planning ahead, making sure things work well—it's just more polish and less painful work. Okay. I hope it's not just for engineering. I really hope that in other aspects of the civilization, like in medicine, even lawyers. Right. I have a friend who is a lawyer, and he told me, "Oh man, I could pay millions for an AI that will analyze." the laws and find all the jurisprudence and stuff that I don't have to do. Every business has this core crappy stuff that they have to do because it's super repetitive. Everyone is always doing the same and they want to get abstracted from that. I feel like this is where the AI will take place.
2: Even for our company mission, still Startup, counting work is complicated. Uh, Lawyer work is complicated. We have a lot of stuff to do. And we, uh, we, we tried a couple of chat GPT where we just like put stuff in it just to be able like, to find something interesting into a document, pinpointing onto something that we needed, information we needed. The research is way better than just regular search like uh, Google where you have to know what you need and it's going to point you to a document. Right now the system is just summarizing all the information for you. So you going to say. It's a huge gain of time, that's for sure.
1: So I mentioned the Meeting Recap is uh, funded by my team, uh, not the AI part, but everything else. And yeah, so for, I for,
2: have... for teams on on. A macros- yes, for
1: teams, teams, right. So recently, I was joining a, a team meeting a little bit late, and so co-pilot the integration in Teams, ping me and say, OK, this is what happened when we were not there. No, no. one called your name. This is the summary, like Freeline, do you want me to uh, take notes for you? I said, yes. And so at the end, I was a summary of the meeting. Who was speaking of what? Like I was like, OK, buddy, <laughs> I don't that's an assistant <laughs> work, right? And if a human had to do that, it's just painful. No, I, it's I understand just... that's just a painful work, right? We tried, uh, we tried so many times,
2: agenda, meeting, recaps. Nobody wants to do this. No, it's, it's a pain. Uh, yeah. <laughs> So you're saying that Microsoft team right now actually can do that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I saw it. Yeah. So, you know, when I heard this and I saw actually the screenshot of what teams can do now, I was like, OK, we definitely have to try teams because since COVID and everything, we're doing meetings all the time. And even for us, we have teams all over the world and we're doing was, like Zoom meetings all the time. So
1: Microsoft embraced the remote work at the very beginning of the pandemic. OK. We have a team in Australia, in India, in Europe, Germany and France. Uh, in South America, US, and Canada. The only problem is because the globe is a globe. Yeah, There's a time zone and problem, yeah. Time zone problem, it's something. And so for that, Copilot is fantastic in Outlook. Hey, set up a meeting where everyone will be inside their business hours, and so he can figure it out for you.
2: Yeah, so you said that Microsoft actually, they, they embraced it, but they have all the tools as well because they, they have are...
1: The tool. Without the tool, it's impossible, right? It's impossible. Yeah,
2: right? no, no. We were lucky to have the pandemic during actually that age where we had all these tools because... If you, if you had the pandemic in like 2005 or...
1: <laughs> Without tools, it would have been a nightmare.
2: How did you structure these teams? You said like separate stream of work. What does what does that mean exactly?
1: So on a product like Stream, for instance, um, we can say uh, the integration in SharePoint is handled by India. Uh, the integration in tips oh, is handled by Canada. So we split the bill, right? And so... They can work on independent piece of code. It's still um, an internal open source, so everyone is on the same repo. There are people for PR and every surf But every team have all the independency to be able to work without having to wait for some approval. Oh, for- yeah, I
2: see, see, see. You try to have the team co-located on a, on a topic? Yes. Or exactly. At least on the same time, honestly, the team is 100% disciplinary
1: They have developers all together in a geolocation, Okay, right? And that's one team. And then we have the PM lead, the PM, uh, the design lead, and the engineering lead, which are responsible for making sure everything is flawlessly working. It's not perfect, right? When you have a a major issue and it's uh, midnight in China and on the China team, you have to wait. Yeah,
2: okay. You try to group people by by area of work and then making sure that they have all the tools to be independent instead of waiting for it. Because it used to be this big company used to be really organized differently where you had a one layer responsible for all backends, then yeah. one layer for the Then you have all tons of dependency between teams just waiting all the time.
1: It doesn't work. I have one person or two who have the authority to merge a PR. So they went really? through the training of what does that mean to be efficient and everything. And so even merging a PR can be done locally if they want to escalate.
2: I always had the feeling that organizing engineering teams this is where you get the most of the productivity. The tool that you give the team, this is work. You can get good work. If the work is split into between departments where you have to write specs to another department, some people still do this, which is crazy. But even a big company like Microsoft I totally changed the way they work. They don't work like this anymore.
1: No, no, we don't. We have pods, right? We have groups of independent people who report to a... uh, It's a hive somehow, right? There is a queen, sure. Uh, But that queen has a barely understanding of what's happening at every single cells, right? Mm. It's important because we were in the waterfall world before where one department was responsible for something. It was waterfalling to the next one. And it was so slow, so slow. Before internet, it was mandatory to work this way because you have to be so robust when you ship something. The thing is like today, if I have a problem, my engineer can fix the issue and push the update to the live server. So we don't need that robustness anymore. We are far more adaptable.
2: That's super interesting. And then did the process work with the way they want, I suppose, they don't have to use Agile, yeah. or Scrum.
1: I am a group engineering manager, so there are a different group engineering managers per product. We have the leeway to decide um, how we want to work. Among my team, some are very much Scrum religious. I call okay. them religious because they want to play poker and all the crap that I don't like. And I have some teams who are far more flexible. Uh, Babylon GS, for instance, work on a more Kanban approach. Ah, Exactly. They They
2: just a to-do list and that's it.
1: Yeah, you have a list of stuff. Uh, The PM make that in the correct order and then the the developer... Then
2: you ship it. That's it. And then you ship faster.
1: Anyway, that's not the the deal right now. But I don't want to force them because... No, yeah. I want them happy, right? As long as they deliver at the velocity that I expect from them or within the, the range of the velocity I expect, it's fine. So yeah. every team is different.
2: I'm also 100% it's the same thing. I'm more like a Kanban guy, but for a lot of people, yeah. they like the structure that brings Scrum. So, especially I, I if you know. junior people, sometimes the structure helps them. Exactly
1: right. I was about to mention that sometimes people and I saw that uh, more on the junior side and on the senior side, but th- that structure help them being more confident. Right. The system exactly. is holding you a bit, so I'm yeah. fine with that.
2: One of my friends worked at a big tech in Silicon Valley as well, and same thing. Actually, every team choose their process. But most of them are agile, in the sense, that's what it is. Because now, it, depends, it doesn't matter of the framework, but everybody is continuously delivering.
1: We have metrics for that. We have metrics of how many features-ish. We call them epic, but anyway, we have yeah. a, a feature, and that feature needs to be shipped depending on the size in a specific amount of time. And we have a metric that says, okay, we were faster or slower. And so we keep using that to measure, okay, maybe you guys who are constantly slower than what you should be, Maybe the way you work should be rearranged because, look, your sister team, which is developing similar projects, are faster, right? So we keep an eye on that. OK, um, yeah, I see what you mean. Microsoft moved to the OKR world. And I like that because you define an objective. That does not have to be an objective that you know you're going to hit, but you can tend to it. And then with key result, like you measure along the way, I like that yeah, yeah. very much because it's pragmatic.
2: Yeah. It yeah. exactly. don't tell you how you should w- walk there. But this way, at least the direction you should get.
1: Objective-oriented, and I love that. Yeah, yeah. As you said, I don't know how you do it. I don't care as long as it's clean, right? It's you... objective. It's management by objectives. You know, I like it as well. It yeah, was
2: interesting to see how this big company also managed to embrace agility. We usually attribute to startups to be nimble, but you know it's the same process that I use in every company or startup, but I was a part of some startups or young people. They're having a hard time we just to organize teams. Even yes. as soon as you're yes. maybe... Five, six engineers you need to find a way to work together it just doesn't come naturally
1: oh i saw that i saw people using microsoft to do the tool does not matter that much the no, mindset no exactly
2: you're right agile is a, is a philosophy it's supposed to be a yeah, it's,
1: it's a philosophy it's a mindset it's just yeah, exactly. you being ready for, for
2: that just wanted to finish by saying that you're also a digital artist
1: right that's very new right? that's my new uh bone to, to chew on
2: <laughs> yeah i saw what you did actually i saw your progress actually from like sketches to like full-blown books now
1: Yes, I remember when you were painting a Game Boy in 3D. d was like, dude, this guy has two skills, right? He's a good developer and a good painter. Man, I'm jealous. It took me 30 years to motivate myself, but I reached the point where, okay, I feel like as a developer, most of the time we have a creativity that we express through code, right? Yeah. But that creativity is deep down in us. I wanted to also be a painter and uh, I embrace Photoshop. When I saw you doing this,
2: I remember what I was doing like 20 years ago and I stopped because I was doing something else. But you gave me the envy actually to go back actually to drawing what I was doing 20 years ago.
1: There is no talent in a sense that the talent for me is just people start at the starting line, right? Because you have no talent. But everyone will raise the same race, right? And so uh, working and being motivated is the only key here. Uh, yeah. And yes, as you said, I, I published my first book. I, I sold everything. I'm super happy with it. It's also also a different part of your brain, right, Uh, being an artist. That's relaxing.
2: Yeah.
1: I love that. amazing what you
2: can do. But you have to give me the link, and we're going to put the link in the podcast, of course, so that people know where where to find it, that's for sure. But uh, that was amazing. Great conversation. We can probably do a follow-up podcast at some
1: point. I'm happy to join to jump again.
0: Be sure to subscribe to this podcast on your preferred listening service. Stay connected with us on LinkedIn and visit our website, mission.dev, for more information on our network and platform. See you next episode.